Kirsty has worked with clients such as Virgin Atlantic, Claire's and IBM to mention a few. For 10 years, Kirsty has been traveling the globe and speaking at many events. Can I please welcome to the stage Kirsty Huell. She's a best-selling author of Amazon number one bestseller, The Future of Freelance. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello. Sister Clugger. I just want to say very quickly that as a speaker, there really are few things worse than sitting in your chair knowing you've got to speak in a minute and the person before you is like so good. Um, so I just, uh, normally I would sit there like shitting myself, like psyching myself out about what a failure I am. Um, but, I'd, so, but I didn't, so I just want to thank Luke for like keeping me engaged for the past hour so I wasn't sitting there going, oh dear. Um, hello, my name is Kirsty. Uh, what an absolute joy it is to be here. It's such a gorgeous event. Um, I'm going to be talking to you today about creativity, what it is, why it's important, and how we can all, it's all ultimately within our control, and we can all become better creative thinkers. Yes. So how to supercharge your ideas and get better results and stay ahead. So there's going to be three things. Oh, that's nerve-wracking, isn't it? A bit of a low battery on the... Uh Danger zone, great. Um, so, uh, I'm going to be talking firstly about what is creativity and why is it so important now and in the future. And then I'm going to be talking a little bit about the science of creativity. So, neurologically speaking, what's happening in our brains when we have those really good ideas. And then I'm going to talk about how you as marketers, business owners, team leaders, whatever it is that you really want to take away from today, how you can become even more creative and have better ideas. So, firstly, what is creativity? Often when I speak on this topic, there tends to be some considerations around creativity as like pertaining to um, big campaigns, big ideas. We often can think about, of it as design or having some kind of like visual output, output, like photography or video. Often it is associated with risk as well. Does that resonate? Normally, we think of the creative ideas as being like the big, bold, zany ones that may or may not work. We tend to think of creativity as expensive. But what I'm talking about today is just the very literal definition of creativity as... Oh, that's a bad place to stand. Um, the very literal definition of creativity as your ability to use your um, imagination to come up with something new. So basically, whatever that is, whether that's new messaging, a new marketing campaign, a new proposition, a new HubSpot integration, like whatever it is, the ability to just think of something new. So who here in this room thinks you're a creative person? A raise of hands. Pretty good. Look at you guys go. Um, who here doesn't? Who here thinks that's not really my, my specialism? Okay, so for those of you that didn't raise your hand, that don't necessarily relate with creativity, now raise your hand if you perceive yourself to be analytical or technical or focused on data. Yeah, okay. The reason I ask that is because we tend to have a distinction both in marketing and in business, but kind of more broadly in society as a whole, I think. We tend to think we're either creative or analytical. We have this notion of the left brain, right brain. Some people are very process driven. Other people are much better at kind of the bigger, more creative ideas. But I want to say when we think about creativity is simply our ability to innovate. We have a fundamental ability to do that as humans, everybody. 
So the first thing I want the people in the room who perhaps don't necessarily resonate with being creative, I want you to just park that at least for the next half an hour and I can hopefully convince you as to why you absolutely are and everybody is. So why am I even doing this? Why is creativity important? I don't just think it's important, I think it's absolutely essential that as individuals we hone our ability to have better ideas and to think innovatively. So from a, a pure marketing perspective, as consumers we're exposed to around 4,000 adverts a day. Now that's just ads, that ignores any kind of inbound stuff, that ignores any content marketing, any social media, any kind of referrals or word of mouth, that's a lot. That's an incredible amount of information that we're exposed to. At the same time, anybody here who um, invests in paid advertising, we all know that Google's ad revenue continues to skyrocket year on year on year. It's becoming more expensive, more competitive, more saturated. At the same time, organic results are giving us less than half of what they use, less than half of Google searches results in a click. So we're investing time, energy, effort in ranking organically, but then because the way Google have changed their SERPs, we're less likely to even get clicks once we get there. Our organic reach, anyone who invests in social, is also going down and down and down and down. Perhaps we've spent years investing in social platforms and having audiences there, and now the algorithm has changed and we have to pay to speak to them. At the same time, we also have voice search. This is some research from a company called We Are Roast in London. They just do voice search, and they are finding that commercially viable queries that people are do using their voices is going up quarter by quarter. So it's rising quickly, steadily, and significantly. And the issue with voice search is we have a bit less control over it than we used to. And at the same time, we're all bloody using ad blockers. Ad blockers are on the rise. Who here has an ad blocker on their computer? It's always marketers, you know. We're always like, no, no, I know what you're up to. So we're starting to use ad blockers, so even getting that cut through that is more saturated is getting harder. 600, that's the average number of emails that journalists receive every single day with our mediocre press releases. This stuff is getting harder. I would be lying to you if I said the work that my marketing agency was delivering last year was as effective as it was delivering a few years ago. And that wasn't because we weren't doing as good at work, it was nothing to do with that, it's just the reality that your jobs are getting harder. They just are, it is getting harder, consumers know more, um, consumers are expecting more, platform rules are changing, algorithms are changing, it's becoming much less outside of our control. Does this resonate? Yes, absolutely, thank you. She knows, look at her. <laughs> she, she knows exactly what's going on here, she's really struggling with this. And uh, I believe that we have a saviour to all of this. Any guesses as to what I think the saviour is? Creativity. <laughs> so I think that creativity is the thing that will really help us be at a competitive advantage. Because if we acknowledge the tactics we're doing now are shrinking, we're all trying to eat from the same shrinking pie. We need a new pie. I just made that metaphor up. That's weird. Does it work? I hope so. So we need something new, we need to think of new ways that we can communicate with people, new strategies, new audiences, new platforms, stuff we have not yet done. 
When we work in changing, dynamic, evolving markets, we have to be able to pivot, to reposition, to think about new things. And creativity is the fundamental skill that allows us to do that. So I, about a year ago, wanted to test this theory as to whether creativity was actually important from a performance perspective or if it was just something nice that people said. Because I think there's definitely a perception that creativity is just a nice thing that people talk about. I researched over thousands, thousands of pieces of content manually with my eyes because I have a life and to try and define what was the most performing content. Performing in this instance was in terms of social shares and links that it generated. So performance in terms of driving reach as opposed to conversion. And what I found was pretty consistent throughout the board. The format of the content was only ever really an added bonus. So how much you invest in execution, how much you invest in the creation of the content was neither here nor there, really. The thing that really made the difference in how well this performed, how much it um, brought people to websites or um, social or whatever your metric is, is three things. Authenticity. Is it real? Is it, does it align with your brand or is it just tenuous? Does it make sense with who you are as a company and what you stand for? Timing. Is this something that's already on our press agenda, on our audience's mind? Something that we're kind of talking about societally and culturally at the moment? And then that elusive originality. That hardest thing to get to, the thing that has not yet been done. And it's also worth saying this can be something old, but repositioned in a new way. So based on this, I think that unless we start to nurture creativity within ourselves and within our teams, we end up genuinely being at a competitive disadvantage. Because if everybody else around you is getting good at this, and we're still trying to eat from that same pie, to use the bizarre metaphor I've just made up, then we'll end up falling behind. And I don't just mean this even specifically in terms of a marketing perspective, though it is very applicable in that, but more so just as humans in life. Like, I'm sure we're all aware we're in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution. What this means is the World Economic Forum believes that by 2022, 40% of jobs will, will be able to be automated. So we're moving in, I mean, this is so HubSpot heavy, which is brilliant. We're moving into this fantastic world of automation where it's less reliant on humans and individuals doing the thing. As a result of this, the workplace is changing. The World Economic Forum said in 2025, the skill that will be most important for professionals, emotional intelligence, problem solving, creativity. We need to get better at thinking of new stuff because whilst the day-to-day -day elements within marketing can be automated, our skill, our real value that we can bring and we can add to campaigns, teams, products, is the ability to go, but what about this? And it is that, but what about this, that is driven through creativity. So I guess this is my like MO, really, and I think we really need to stop thinking of creativity as a soft skill and recognize it as a hard specialism of the future. Creativity isn't just this like zany thing that some people have or do not. It is the fundamental underpinning that will make you successful or not. I really think so. And so as a result, we need to just stop expecting it to happen 
and start investing time, energy, effort, enthusiasm and resource motivation into facilitating our ability to do that. Does this resonate? Some nods. Okay, good. Okay, so how? What is creativity, neurologically speaking? What's happening in our brains when we have those kind of new ideas? So I'm going to introduce you to this handsome chap. He is called Roger Beattie. He is the assistant professor at Penn State University studying cognitive neuroscience of creativity. So in other words, he knows his shit. He knows all of this kind of stuff. He's really at the forefront of a bit of context. So we are, we're starting to actually know what creativity is in our brains. Only really in the past 10 years when we've been able to readily have MRI scanners in labs. So for the first time, we live in this really exciting time when we're really starting to know what's like going on under the hood. And I'm going to talk about a few of his findings. Firstly, in a lot of his research, he found a strong correlation between creative thinking ability and self-reported creative aptitude. So in other words, if you think you're not creative, you're not. Mindset is huge in life and everything, and that pertains to success and creativity. If we're walking through the world going, I won't have any new ideas, of course we're not going to have any new ideas. And it becomes self-propagating. We think more and more and more that that is out of our reach. But the good thing about creativity is it's not genetic. It isn't something that some people just have and others don't. The research has shown, this is a chap called Thomas Pizzello, who did research on twins in the 70s when that shit was cool. And he found lots of research that suggested no evidence of hereditary variation appeared in our creative tests. So IQ is genetic, creativity isn't. Also, I put this research in because it's from Lancaster Uni, which is down the road. It felt, you know, it felt nice. This research has, is very recent. This is from 2015. And what the neuroscientists did in this research, they took two groups of children. They had a group of children who watched um, movies with magical themes and a group who didn't. They found that the children who had recently watched movies with magical themes uh, performed better on creative aptitude tests, 30% better on creative aptitude tests than the control group. So basically just like watch Harry Potter. I think that's the TLDR of my talk, you can leave, watch Harry Potter. But really what this means is we learn the ability to think outside of our current frameworks. Oh, actually also I just want to say, it's also been shown time and time again that children whose parents define themselves as creative become more creative over time. So in other words, we're learning it. We're not, some people may have a genetic predisposition for innovation, fine. But creativity is something we can work on. The brain is not a muscle. I said that once at a medical conference and it was awkward, but it really awkward, <laughs> but it really does behave like one. We can train it and we can use it. Uh, Roger Beattie, a sentence from his paper that I really like, he says, we are able to consciously influence ourselves to have greater creativity by practicing exercises which require it. Your creative ability your ability to solve problems, your ability to come up with better solutions is ultimately within your control. And this is so wonderful. We're not just walking through the world with the kit that we were given. We can get better. We can get better at something as important 
and what previously seemed so elusive as creativity. So to kind of ram this point home, creativity is a skill. It's a skill that we learn over time, and then we can learn it, develop it, and apply it. And the first step is to just believe that. The first step in becoming more creative is just believing that it's ultimately within your control, and I promise you it is. If you go away from this talk with no other learning other than, I'm in control of how creative I am, that in itself, according to the research, is a big leap in becoming more creative. Okay, so how it works, neurologically speaking, what conditions do we need to be as creative as possible? So some people in the audience shout out what connects the words broken eye, uh, broken eye and stained. Glass, thank you. Who, shout, who said that? What's your name? Hat Paul? Uh, thank you, Paul. <laughs> we struggled a bit there. Um, <laughs> I thought you said Bob, but I think we're okay now. <laughs> Um, Paul, what, how did you get to the answer glass? It just came to you. It just came to you. Round of applause. Paul just had a creative thought. <laughs> Was anybody else kind of going through a process of being like a broken window, broken and kind of going through it serially? That wouldn't be by the definition of creativity, creative. That would be um, process-driven thinking. But that moment where it just comes to you, that's true creativity. I remember vividly being about eight years old and watching uh, Countdown, because I'm, I'm a lad, and I was watching Countdown, and you know the conundrum, the Countdown conundrum? It came up, and I just got it, like straight away. And my mum was like... I mean, I'd never before shown any ability in anything, really. So my mum was like, how did you get that? And I was like, I don't know. It's never happened since. I live my life trying to recreate that one moment when I intellectually peaked at eight years old. Every time it comes on now, I'm like, come on, brain, nothing. So I had my one creative moment. But it's that thing that we're trying to recreate, that kind of... Has anyone have had an idea, like a spark of something, maybe when you're falling asleep and you're like this? And suddenly you're, you're there. I spent a long time doing stand-up. And really tediously, I would write, my brain would decide to write jokes just as I was falling asleep. So I'd be like, fall. And then you'd have to kind of like get up and write it. That's the good stuff. Those are the ideas that are actually unique, at least for us, because we've made a new synaptic connection. Jokes, creativity, the same thing. It's taking two things and bringing them together for the first time. So if we can take two concepts, so a piece of data and a positioning and bring it together, that's when the really, really good stuff happens. So this is what we're looking for. So how can you become more creative and have better ideas? So according to the research, there's four stages of considered creativity. This is from a chap called Vincent Walsh. He's at University College London. And currently, this is wild, his lab is open because he's got so good at this in terms of creating um, new ideas in our brains, you can go into his lab and he will oscillate the wavelengths to bring about better ideas. But I was thinking about doing this just as like an intellectual pursuit, and my husband was like, I'd, I'd, I feel like there's already a lot there, you know, so maybe... But so this is getting really real. This is, we're really starting to know this stuff, like in a very real way. And so he talks about the four stages of creativity that we can then go away and retroactively engineer in ourselves. So first is preparation. So preparation is like preparatory grind. That's knowing your craft. 
That's knowing your audience, knowing your market, knowing your job inside out. Uh, I'll talk about these in a bit more detail afterwards also. Then we have incubation. Incubation is the ability to let our brains chill so that the new ideas can incubate and form. Then we have illumination. That's that like aha moment. That's when you get this like burst of energy. Do you know what I mean when I say that? When you come up with a creative idea and you're like, ah, I do this thing that's so obnoxious. I kind of like click in people's faces. And I'm like, Stop. like I, need, I need to work on that separately. But that's like my, when I have a new idea, I'm like, ah, and I get this like burst of energy. When we have a genuine creative idea, it creates a new synaptic connection that creates a sense of motivation in us. A little aside, if you're in a position and you have a brilliant, new, exciting idea and you feel that, you feel that, if you can, drop everything and follow that path there and then because that's when you are the most likely to execute because our brain goes, oh, motivation, energy, go. Um, or at the very least, write it down. Illumination. And then we have validation, the most important thing. Does the thing that my brain has told me, does that inspire others? So preparation, how do we do this practically day to day? So this looks like investing time in researching campaigns that work. What always um, surprises me, makes me smile, is when I give these kind of talks and I ask who uses ad blockers, when I give these talks at marketing conferences, it's always significantly higher than in other spaces because we're informed, we understand. But the problem is, is as marketers, we tend to close ourselves off to being marketed too. And we need to be doing the exact opposite. We need to be obsessing over this stuff. We need to be really interested and engaged in what is working, what are your consumers, audiences are looking for. We need to obsess over what our competitors are doing. And we need to spend time on the internet consuming content and reading media. I re as somebody who was like never particularly smart throughout my entire life, this really resonates with me. There is little correlation between IQ and creativity. There is a much greater correlation between obsession and creativity. When you really give a shit, that's when you really do your best work. We know that. We kind of know that anecdotally. And again, this is, I mean, I get it. Like, our day jobs aren't often, like, hugely exciting, especially not every day. But work out the ways for you that you can really tap into that desire, tap into that obsession. A good way to do that is just think about what your job means for your life, for your kids, for your family, and bring that into your everyday. And every single day, know that if you deliver on your objective, whether you're running campaigns or running businesses, know really at an emotional level what that means for you, your family, your life, your ability to thrive and be successful. Then we can start to tap into that obsession, which then brings about better ideas, new thinking, innovative solutions. This also practically looks like obsessing over what works in your market in a very meaningful way. So anybody who's in kind of the advertising space, Adweek does something every single day where it shares the most creative, innovative, exciting ad of that day. It's just really inspiring. We need to be reading that. Um, Reddit. Does anybody here use Reddit for like idea generation. Reddit's so, so good. Reddit basically is like the sinkhole of the internet. It's where all the good things happen and you can find really interesting, exciting, fun stuff on any, any topic. 
Here, I'm in the plumbing subreddit, and someone's made a cistern out of logo because, uh, Lego because, because internet. I don't know. It's just what people do. So we can go on Reddit, and you can start to read and consume and learn what people are talking about when they're not being watched. That's the great thing about Reddit. People feel like they're not being watched, but they are. Haha. -ha. Um, so Reddit, yes. There's also Mix. Mix used to be stumble upon. And what that does is curate. You put in your interests, so your brand's market, your audience's interests, and it will send you an email every week with the stuff that's been most shared in that space every single week. And we just need to build that into our routines. I have a friend called Mark Johnson, who's perhaps like the best content marketer I've ever met, ever. And the reason he's so good is because he's obsessed in this way. He reads everything. He spends his time really caring about what's working. So he has that preparatory grind. He knows his craft so, so well. What I'm trying to say is messing about on the internet is a valuable use of your time. Like it really is, genuinely. Because if we're trying to talk to people on the internet, whatever that looks like, email marketing, SEO, whatever it looks like, if we're trying to talk to them to resonate with people, we need to know what's working. So that's spending an hour a week at least just reading, consuming what the people you're talking to are consuming is an incredibly valuable thing to do. You are not wasting your time. So second, we have incubation. So neurologically speaking, ideas are quiet. We have busy, busy lives. We are distracted the whole time. Our phones are bleeping, our kids are screaming, our boiler's broken. I've just painted a picture in my head, it's a bad day. So all of this stuff is happening this whole time. We have busy, busy minds. But because creativity is new stuff, it's quiet. So creativity isn't, all of your best ideas aren't coming through. So I know you're all like, consummate professionals in this room, but I also know you think weird shit. Probably when you're in the shower. Shower, falling asleep, walking the dog, gardening, that's where we have our best ideas, right? And it's because it's in those moments, our stress, uh, we've got to do this, we've got to get back to this person, we've got to do that, that goes so we can start to hear. We can start to hear our voices being like, hmm, what would happen if we put dogs on roller skates on the moon. <laughs> and it's this kind of weird stuff that may not be applicable to your lives now, but at some point may well be. We'll talk about this in a minute. So creative ideas are quiet. We need to be inward looking. They come when you reflect and don't worry about what is happening externally. I don't know if this, and just nod your head if you've ever been in a situation where someone's come to you and gone, we need a creative idea now. We're doing a brainstorm now. <laughs> Here's a deadline. Here's some pressure. It isn't how. We can do stuff then. Of course we can. But that's not the great stuff, the really groundbreaking, I'm so excited about this ideas. Because people are much less likely to notice broad information when we're stressed. When we're stressed, very literally, what happens is our uh, cognitive field of vision re reduces down. So the nuance that sits on the sideline, we don't notice it. We miss it. We're missing stuff all the time. So just shout out, where do you get your best ideas? Shower, falling asleep. I forgot this bit was in there. I should have saved the shower thing, but there we go. Um, pardon? Driving. Driving, that's a really good one. So I've spoken on this topic very literally all over the world. And what I have realized is good ideas in the shower is like a universal law. 
It's like smiling. As humans, we all tend to get our best ideas, driving, showers, walking, those moments when we're just, we're not in the pressure of the day-to-day. This is from a neuroscientist called David Rock. He wrote a book called Your Brain at Work, which I recommend reading if you're interested in this stuff. It's brilliant. And he says, no one solves complex problems at will. The answers always suddenly arrive as you fall asleep, in the middle of the night, as you wake up, exercise, shower, etc. And that's because there isn't one creativity area in the brain. We now understand that creativity, neurologically speaking, is the interplay between different systems. In order for those systems to start communicating, the systems have to be not functioning in a really high way for us to be able to do it. So when we're stressed, we're just focusing on that. So we need to be able to relax. We need to be able to create space and time to sit and think. I work with a lot of businesses to do this, and one of the things that I genuinely get them to do, actually, is encourage everyone to stare out of the window for at least an hour a week. And I don't mean going to the gym, I don't mean, I mean staring out of the window. That, I promise you, I promise you was more productive than yet another meeting. Like, I promise. The amount of time we could save, if we just shaved 10 minutes off every meeting for a week, I can't do maths, whatever, uh, go with me, that would be 50 minutes, um, and then bunch that up and had an hour where we just sit, we just sit, <coughs> nothing, no phones, nothing, just sitting, thinking, pen and paper, see what comes, see what happens. Because true creativity happens offline, and we kind of know this intuitively. And again, we can think of ideas under pressure, but true creativity, that happens when we're allowing it to come to us. Um, yeah, so as mentioned, I've done this with a bunch of businesses, and one of the things I get them to do is to just stare out of the window. And so this is the research that says this, but also anecdotal evidence. There's a big agency called iProspect. They're corporate, they're big, they're heavy duty, and I got them to implement the staring out of the window thing. It wasn't easy, difficult conversations. Um, they thought I was crazy. <laughs> they were like, who is this mad woman off the street telling us to stare out the window? Six months later, since the session, every person has changed their routine. It's worked. We schedule time to do nothing. Imagine a business, a big business, scheduling time to do nothing. And our ideas are the best we have ever had. We're making more money from doing less. Like, that's it. That's what creativity is. Do less, perform better. Really, and this may sound like way out of the realms of what you're able to do or capable to do or what your boss will let you do. So please do come and talk to me. I can help you find those 10 minutes that you can then add up to make that time. So do talk to me because I really believe that if we do less, we'll all be happier and more productive. So finally, illumination. That's like our aha moment when the ideas come. So what we need to do to be able to do that is be capturing new ideas and review notes frequently. The tedious thing about creativity, it's kind of like happiness. The more you look for it, the more it evades you. So sometimes things will come to you and you're like, that was an interesting thought. I, don't, I can't see how this will be important for me now, but I'm going to write it down. I have a notebook I carry with me everywhere. That was a lesson learned from stand-up that I've brought into business. And now I have an Excel document. And I have random thoughts that have come to my head and they are grouped. They're grouped by things like random ideas that come to me in terms of my business, my training, my speaking, and I have them in a spreadsheet. And when I need an idea, that's the first place I go. Because there's stuff in there that's come to me when I'm lying in bed, when I'm falling asleep, it's a Sunday afternoon, and that's where the gems are. When we're put on pressure to do it in the moment, that's much harder. So if we start logging this all the time and process it, then that's when it can become really effective. 
Also, if creativity is connecting different bits of information and knowledge, the more stuff we do, the more information we have to connect. So that's basically have broad ranges of skills outside of your day-to-day -day job as employers or team leaders facilitate that. And surround yourself with diverse and novel social and physical stimuli. Perhaps the hardest and perhaps the most uh, corporately challenged is uh, try to avoid being in the same place every time, every single day. So just go for a walk, go to a coffee shop. It's really hard for our brains to step outside of their recurring patterns when we're in that recurring pattern. So for if, you're, if there's a challenge you really need to solve, you're like, we really, this client's consistently frustrated, we can't quite work out this, whatever the problem is for you that's presenting yourself in your life at the moment, if you want to solve it, go somewhere else, just for a bit. A bit of an aside is also we... Um, tend to have better ideas in nature, not because it's like, ah, nature, but very literally because the oxygen's better and our brains use oxygen. So the clearer the oxygen, the better our brains work. So really just go out for an hour, have a walk and try and solve it then. That can be really good. Um, I want you to take a note of this and on the break maybe um, do it and let me know your score. So there's something called My Creativity Skills. There's a chap called Dr. Robert Epstein. He's a Harvard uh, neuroscientist and he's dedicated 20 years to understanding the optimal conditions for creativity. And what this is, it's a survey that will then give you a score. Now the score isn't how creative you are, it's how optimal your environment is to facilitate really good creativity. And if you do this, it will give you very specific tactical things that you can then go and make some tweaks to in your environment to start improving your ability to come up with new ideas. So typically, in, we have creativity in businesses a bit messed up. We go into a room and tell our brains, okay, now, now is the time for ideas. We have a brainstorm. Dave has bought cookies. Like, we're going to have a really good time. We've got snacks. This has been in the calendar for ages. It's a strategy day. So these are the kind of ways in business we tend to do creativity. Now, this can be really effective, of course, but it isn't the only way. We need to be trying to get to that stuff outside of those environments. This is my visual representation of a brainstorm. Um, who here uses brainstorms in the sense of getting in a room and talking as a primary idea generation tool? Raise, raise of hands. Okay, great. It tends to be our go-to. It tends to be what we do. But according to the American Psychological Association, I'll just read this quickly. Research has consistently found working separately to be superior to groups interacting verbally. In over 50 studies, the evidence speaks loud and clear. Individuals working separately generate many more and many more creative ideas than groups. The difference is large and robust. So what happens when we sit in a room full of other people, we kind of, because of the nature of what it means to be human, we find it really hard to come up with new ideas for three reasons. Production blocking. Who here has ever been sat in a brainstorm and an idea comes to you and you're like, oh, I can't say that yet because Janet's going. Janet, this is Janet's turn. She's I don't know who Janet is. Um, she's talking. Okay, so I just, need to, I just need to hold on to this idea. Don't forget the idea. Let's find her an appropriate time to say, and it's gone. Because what happens is when we're in those social settings, we're just adhering to the rules of social settings. And actually, as humans, having conversations and doing that 
like cognitively is quite hard, especially in business when your boss is there and maybe there's a senior stakeholder and your client's there and there's all these things that you're trying to navigate. So in those moments, actually just generating ideas can be quite difficult. This can really work if you have brilliant team dynamics. I'm definitely not saying stop brainstorms altogether but there are other things that we can do. Also free overriding. So this is when members rely on or take over. I realized after five years of running a marketing agency, our ideas were getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And then I realized that I was the problem, which is never a great realization. And it was because we'd go into brainstorms and I would be like, I have this idea. And the team would be like, okay, Kirstie's got an idea. Let's let it, let it go, let her run, let her do her thing. And so it was just me. I ended up overriding the whole thing. I removed myself entirely from all of the creative processes and it got better because I became the thing that was ruining it because I had all this energy and enthusiasm and excitement and I was just like rolling over people without any realization or intention to do so. And it's so easy to do that if you're the boss, if you're passionate, if you're excited. We can often do that when we have no idea that we're doing it. Or the reverse happens. Maybe you're somebody in the room who perhaps struggles in that social scenario, voicing an idea that may or may not make you sound stupid. That can be really hard for us too because of this evaluation apprehension. Who here has ever been in a meeting and just been shit scared to say anything in case you look like a tit? And when we add some like elusive like creativity to this, it gets really, really hard. Um, just a quick one. There's a book called Social by a neuroscientist called Matthew Lieberman that talks all about how humans interact. And it's really interesting for uh, leaders, business owners, managers. So instead, very quickly, there's a technique by a guy called Paul Paulus, best name ever, um, from the universe. Somebody over the back really enjoyed his name. Um, from the University of Texas. And he suggests just making a simple tweak. Instead of verbally saying the ideas, write them on a piece of paper and pass them. <sighs> write your idea and pass it along. And you can just do that as a start point. Because what happens then is we're actually thinking. We still get the benefit of input and sharing, but it removes all of that fear, the production blocking, and all of that stuff. So it's a small tweak. So try that in your businesses and let me know how it goes. And very quickly, validation. So this is stuff that marketers tend to be really good at. So run test campaigns or speak to people before launch. Instagram stories features a really nice way for brands and businesses to do this. If I spoke to you about this, would you be interested, poll yes or no? I would recommend any business be doing that before you invest in um, executing against an idea. Just stick it on Instagram if you have that kind of audience. Um, use tools to identify what's working in the space. I've always used Buzzsumo. It's cheap. I think it's even free for some licenses. And it just tells you what kind of content is really resonating. And then ask people. Ask actual humans. Ring, ring your um, clients, your prospects. Okay, thank you. In summary, this is hard. It's getting harder. Markets are saturated. We need creativity to be able to think of new stuff whilst everything we're currently doing is still working, but is getting harder. She, it's just her, like she knows. And ideas and emotion are essential to our ability to be able to do this. We have the four stages of creativity, preparation, know your preparatory grind, incubation, give yourself time and space to reflect. Best ideas come when you're not thinking about them. Illumination, capture those ideas as and when they happen and validation. Add some kind of data to ensure it's not just you that was so inspired by it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Thank you.